I hear Pastor Audrey's mantra, slowly and calmly we make our way. I invite you to slowly and calmly make your way to John chapter 19. We'll continue our series today observing throughout Lent the seven sayings of Jesus when he was on the cross. And so John chapter 19, verses 26 and 27 is the second of the phrases that we'll pay attention to today. So we invite you to open your Bibles and and hold them open to this text as we study God's Word together. Before we we study God's Word together, let us pray for God's blessing upon the Word, that, that these words may be open to us by the Holy Spirit, that the leading and guiding of God's very presence will be with us. So let's pray together. Lord, as you promised, your light, your, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so we pray, Jesus, be our light. And by your Holy Spirit, shine brightly on the path that we should go. Make these words more than ink on paper or pixel on screen. But by your Holy Spirit, may your word be living and active to us. More than just an intellectual exercise in study, may this also be a time where our hearts are connected to you, Jesus, where we come to know you, your fullness of love, your grace that was shown to us upon the cross, and that your mercy and sacrifice, the weight of it may not be lost on us. So open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit to your word this day, O Lord. Amen. John chapter 19. Um, We're going to start at verse 25, just for the context of what's happening here in this particular moment of Jesus upon the cross. And just a word of instruction after the word is read, we'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you're grateful, we invite you to respond with the simple words, thanks be to God. John chapter 19, beginning at verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, as we continue through these sayings of Jesus on the cross, knowing that everything that Jesus said on the cross would have taken a tremendous amount of effort. It would have been painful to put oneself upright to say any words, and it would be hard to catch enough breath to articulate and say anything out loud. And yet here again, Jesus found the strength to say these words, and so we draw our attention to them. I know that next week we'll come to a familiar and beautiful set of words. Next week we'll hear those words that Jesus gave to the thief on the cross who repented, and Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. It is a beautiful picture of God's grace. It's a reminder often used that it's never too late to make our life right with God. That there's 
a moment that can be used to turn our life to Jesus. And as beautiful and eternal as that is, to think that the suffering on the cross would be eclipsed in a moment by an eternal glory, as great of a picture of grace as that is, it would be incomplete if that was all we had. Which is why even if next week's words are more of an eternal perspective, you will be with me in paradise forever, that's why we need this week's words, which cause us to pause and to stay here and now, not just on what is to come in the new heavens and the new earth, but what is the reality here today? The compassion of Christ is on display for his mother, Mary. And it's not just an eternal glory focus, but these words have an earthly focus, a, a, just a very real and here and now edge to them. These words speak not to what happens after our bodies die, but these words speak to living flesh and blood right now. Jesus, even with the knowledge of the second coming, knowing that, that someday Christ will return and make all things new, Jesus knowing that, that some injustices can only be made right through God's justice when he comes fully here, even Jesus knowing all of that, knowing that not everything can be fixed and made perfect, Jesus still does not neglect what can be done here and now. Jesus does not pass up this opportunity of social justice to be done here and now. Because Jesus sees to it in these words that we read that Mary is cared for. Woman, here is your son. The categories of special care in the Old Testament were given throughout the law and reminded of in the prophets that the alien, the orphan, and the widow were, be to, were, be, were to be taken care of. Because the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow were in that day and age and in that society particularly vulnerable. And the justice of a nation depended upon the treatment of how the most vulnerable were treated. We understand that Mary is a widow at this point. Joseph is dead. He was mentioned in Luke chapter 2 when Jesus was 12 years old, that whole incident where, you know, Mary and Joseph kind of forgot Jesus at church for three days. For all of you who celebrated baptism today, just remember, if you ever forget your kid at church, you're right on par with Mary and Joseph. What a comfort that is. Hopefully you don't forget them for three days. And yet... That's the last mention of Joseph in the chronology of Scripture. Joseph is not mentioned at the wedding in Cana in Galilee. And through both tradition and scholarship, we presume that he is already dead by that point. And that leaves Mary as a widow. It would leave her vulnerable with no legal claim to any property or finance that she otherwise would have had because that's not how inheritances worked. And in Mary's vulnerability, in her total void of any social standing, Jesus is so prudent as to care for her well-being. Among the seven things that Jesus found the strength to say, this was worth saying, to take care of his mother. 
to say to that disciple, you will take care of her. And the way that you have loved me, love my mother. And to tell Mary, this is the one who will take care of you, who will watch over you, who will protect you. Jesus does not pass up, even with an eternal perspective in mind, Jesus does not pass up this care for Mary that's here and now. Not something that has to be waited on until Christ returns in his fullness, but something that could be done right now. Something to take care of someone who needed care. And Jesus commands us, through the words to this disciple, to take care of the Marys in this world. And that you are, if you are a disciple whom Jesus loves, then your call is to watch out and watch over the Marys of this world whom Jesus also loves. The words of Jesus are to become the church's priorities and actions. The words of Jesus should be our priorities and actions as a church, both then and now. And so it's not any surprise that in the book of Acts that the words of Jesus became a priority. One of the first big disagreements in the early church was that not all of the widows were being taken care of properly because the words of Jesus to take care of his mother were a priority. And so the church prioritized the very same thing. Jesus, with his dying breath, established a precedent and a priority to take care of those who are vulnerable. And this carries on a Jewish tradition of both justice and virtue, to take care of the vulnerable in the society, as the prophet said that this was crucial to pleasing God. But without getting too far into the future and how the Acts Church took that and how we should be mindful of that, we can't neglect the present trouble at hand. This was heart-wrenching for Mary. This whole episode, watching the child that, that was conceived by the Holy Spirit, but the child that she carried, the child that she gave birth to, the child that she raised, this is a heart-wrenching scene for Mary to behold of Jesus on the cross. And it's a scene that fulfills a word of prophecy given in Luke chapter 2. Do you remember Simeon? We hear about him in Advent. Simeon, who was told by the Lord that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. And so led by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 2, in verse 29, Simeon beholds Jesus and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon bursts into this word of prophecy. And we're told in Scripture that, that the child's father and mother, Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them. He blessed Jesus' parents. And then said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
Simeon said to Mary that day, a sword will pierce your own soul. You can think through that nothing can break our hearts like seeing our children's pain. And to think that Mary is at the cross. The crowds are mocking. The thieves are taunting. The priests are jeering. The soldiers are calloused and indifferent to just another crucifixion. The Savior is bleeding and dying. And there is his mother, holding fast, staying there to behold the mockery. Mary stands by the cross of Christ with marvelous fortitude and transcendent courage. Mary stays. I know, it's, it's something to be admire, admired. Mary stays. Mary stays so close to the cross that, that she can hear Jesus talking. She is so close to the cross that she can see everything in detail. And that the cross is an especially painful sight for her. She stays close to the sight of her pain. And in this moment, the words of Simeon are fulfilled. That a sword will pierce her soul too. By being close to the cross, she is close to her own pain. Not distant from it. And yet she is also comforted. She is cared for. And she is blessed. Jesus, in saying these words to and for Mary, he continues to be obedient to God the Father and to the Ten Commandments, saying, Honor your father and mother. The Talmud, essentially a Jewish commentary, says on the Ten Commandments, To honor your father and mother is to obey as a child and to esteem as an adult. Obey your parents when you're a child and esteem them when you are an adult. Or said differently, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Do not despise or neglect or fail to see your parents taken care of. Honor your parents. Mary was honored by Jesus at the cross. And the disciple is also honored. Although honor is not without weight and responsibility, and honor does not necessarily equal fun, the closer you are to the cross, the closer you will be to pain. Mary was close to pain. But also, the closer you are to the cross, the more likely you may be to be asked by Jesus to do something important. That disciple was there. He was close enough to see his master, his rabbi, being crucified, close enough to hear Jesus talk to him. And if you're close enough to Jesus to hear his voice, he just might ask something of you. And the same would be true of us today. If we are close enough to Jesus to hear his voice, Jesus might ask something of us. And what Jesus asks is honoring of that disciple, but it's also a lifelong commitment. As long as Mary is alive, that disciple was called by Jesus, commanded by Jesus to provide for her out of his own resources, out of his own time. There would be cost to this. There would be energy and effort put into this because Jesus' honors don't come without cost. 
If that disciple was married, he just inherited another mother-in-law. Not to say that that's bad in any respect, given as my own mother-in-law will be here this afternoon for the ordination. And she can also affirm that Caitlin is the smartest member of the DeVries family. (laughs) Although I would ask, who do you think had a higher GPA at Northwestern or at Western Seminary? Caitlin, both times. And yet, there's something transformative about this disciple being given a mother to take care of, being given someone to take into his own household, that in this moment, these words from the cross, that John is so nice as to include the fact that from that moment on, that disciple whom Jesus loved, he did take Mary into his house. He did take care of Mary. He did fulfill the words of obligation that Jesus gave to him because they were costly, but because they were an honor and because it was the right thing to do. And if you are close enough to Jesus to hear his voice, then you will be close enough to Jesus to follow through on what Jesus asks you to do. It was a lifelong commitment, but it was meaningful. As if Jesus were to say to that disciple, I know that you have loved me. Let your love for me now be manifested in your regard for her. Jesus asks people to serve others as if they were serving Jesus himself. And here Jesus does so, so specifically. Think about the baptismal identity that we celebrated today. that that there's something individual and communal about baptism, that there are signs of promises made as individuals to Hallie and to Barrett and to Ivy, but also their families stand here, and there's members of the the McGuire and Meisty and Maher and Campis families here today too. And that outside of that... There is this whole family of believers. There are brothers and sisters in Christ here gathered. Because this is meant to change our dynamics, that we are united in one body, in one spirit, when we come to the font. When we come to baptism, Christ calls us to think and be differently. That when we come here, we join in the communion of saints which is a big family that spans both millennia and all the continents. Mindful today of who's here to celebrate. And also, we're mindful of who's not here. And in the moments where we remember that, we hold on to who's not here, who's missing. And we remember that the communion of saints where Christ calls us to new obedience, the communion of saints is that gathered family that will all be gathered to Jesus together. It is communal that we re-understand our family. To be a member of something is to exist. To remember is to remember that you belong. And in baptism, we are called to remember Jesus and that Jesus remembered us as members of Christ's family. It's the nature of baptism that although there is two cousins related, that they'll look back on these pictures and see aunts and uncles and other cousins here, that in the same way, it doesn't matter if it was the Meisty or the Maher or the Campice, that we look up on those pictures and we will see family. 
because we see Christ's family gathered together in communion and in hope around the baptismal font. Jesus has already reinterpreted what family is through answering some of the questions and tricks of the Pharisees, but also from this episode in Matthew 12. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And Jesus replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus has already reinterpreted what siblings are. Jesus has called us to understand our life together as a family that takes care of one another. Jesus then at the cross reassigns that this disciple will now serve as a son to watch over Mary, and that Mary is not left on her own, but that she will be cared for by this disciple whom Jesus loves. The closer you are to the cross, the closer you may be to your own pain, but the more likely you also will be to be comforted that Mary, staying close to the cross, was able to hear those words of Jesus, words of affection for her, even as Jesus died. The closer you are to the cross, the more likely you might be to be asked to comfort others, to not just wish people well and hope for the great and glorious day when Christ returns and makes all things new, but by being close to the cross, We are not given neglect over what we can do here and now, over what can be accomplished, over how and who we can care for. These are the words of Jesus from the cross to all of us. And so, friends, as you look around this day, as we have fellowship time afterwards, as we leave from this place, look around and know Here are your parents, and here are your children. Honor one another, even in costly ways, and in so doing, honor the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, your earthly mother and a disciple whom you loved, were close enough to the cross that they could hear your voice on that day of your crucifixion. They were close enough to see your pain and to feel pain themselves, but they were close enough to hear your voice, to hear your commands, to know your will. And so they did. Jesus, help us to be close enough to you that we also may hear your voice. And as we think about how we get close to anyone else on this earth, we know that we, we listen, we have conversations, we learn about someone's life story to get to know them better. So in this Lenten season especially, help us to draw close enough to you that we can talk with you regularly, 
that we can speak words to you with our mouths or in our hearts, that we can take time to listen for your voice, and that we can devote ourselves to knowing your life story. For your life story is the life of our story. Let your life and your love be evident in us and in your church as we care for one another, as siblings in Christ, looking around to our parents that we will both learn from and honor, and looking around to the children whom we will take care of and who will raise up to know you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.